party people! Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, where the gaming table is always set for two. I am your host as always, Jeff Stormer. This week I am joined by game designer Derek Chappell for a playtest of their new game, The Trench Raiders. Trench Raiders is a fascinating, tactical, and immersive role-playing game, which tells the story of World War I soldiers sent across no man's land to infiltrate the enemy trench and cause havoc. It is a game that is easy to get lost in, is how I will describe it. It's based on Derek's other game, Patrol, which is a role-playing game set in the Vietnam War, which you should absolutely check out. A link to that can be found in the show notes. Before we dive in, I had two quick things that I wanted to touch on. One, I wanted to tell you about a project that means a great deal to me on a personal level. Two Weeks is a micro-game compilation organized by friend of the show Dan Enders, with proceeds going to benefit the ACLU. It features a variety of wonderful, fascinating, heartfelt games from friends of the show like Jackie Beckwith, Taylor LeBresh, myself, Jim Dagg, and James D'Amato. I think it's a wonderful compilation of games with money going to a good, important cause, and I think you should absolutely check it out. A link to that can be found in the show notes. I also wanted to take a brief moment and thank our backers on Patreon, because, backers, your support makes this show possible. It means the world to me, and it is the greatest motivation that I could ask for. So thank you so much. And with all that out of the way, let's throw it over to me in the distant past so that he can get started with the show. Take it, distant past me. Thanks, distant future me. This week I'm joined by Derek Chapel. Derek, thank you for coming on Party of One. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. So, real quick, at the top of the show, uh, as we always do, um, why don't you talk about anything you want the audience at home to know about, any projects you're working on, anything they might know you for, that type of thing. Cool. So, uh, I I read a lot of role-playing games. I'm a little obsessed um, with role-playing games, and I'm very bad at project management. So I uh, feel like that's true of all of us at this point. <laughs> I think you're good. Yeah, so this is... Um, the, the thing we're about to run is, like, the game that I have out right now, but I've got a bunch of stuff on the back burner. Uh, we met at Metatopia. And, yes, uh, it's a lot of fun. I, when I was there, I ran uh, a magical girl game I'm working on called Five Across the Heart. I've been working on it for like two years, uh, which is I've heard only the most. I've heard only the most good things, and I'm really excited about it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, sort of a like an original flavor magical girl game, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of whatever, but also it unfortunately became very relevant thematically in the past year or so because it is about playing the magical girl resistance. So, hmm. you know, taking on the the existing uh, evil, uh, what's it, uh, with reveling magic. It's pretty cool. Right. I'm, I, I'm very excited for that. That one sounds great. <laughs> and then the other one is, uh, I, I'm working on this, this game called New Frontiers, which is a sort of Star Trek flavored, powered by the apocalypse kind of thing. All right. Uh, which I ran a bunch of at Metatopia, and that, that'll be fun. But, um. uh... We're not here for for the fun, cheery. We're here for games. responsibility. We're we have for... we have a higher calling today. Yes, uh, uh, the the highest calling of you know king and country. Yes. So um, why don't you uh, why don't you introduce us to the game we're playing this week then? That's a good idea. So today we're going to be playing uh, an expansion for a game I wrote called Patrol. This expansion is called The Trench Raiders. Patrol is a military role-playing game set in the Vietnam War, and it's designed to sort of fix all the problems that role-playing games that are, like, try to be a little bit crunchy, like, not necessarily purely narrative, about, mm-hmm. like, modern-day combat and fighting with guns and doing infantry stuff have, when they 
sort of cleave to the D&D models. So, you know, five foot grids and you know, six second turns and stuff like that, which right. makes it really difficult to meaningfully run uh, like modern military stuff and to mechanize the things that you expect out of modern military stories. Right. So Patrol was written to create games that read like memoirs. Um, okay. I, I, I read a lot of military memoirs. I'm, you know, history nerd. So, um, like, the turns can take, like, they can be half an hour long. You're constantly, wor- like, working over, like, uh, supply issues. So, you know, ammunition is very limited. Your, you know, canteens run out, you know, a long patrol, you run out of food. You, uh, there's a lot of psychological issues in the game about, mm-hmm. like, inter-party conflict between people who have different ideas of what their responsibilities are and what the right thing mm-hmm. to do is. And I, it's a game that uh, came out about a year ago, and I, it's been pretty successful, so I've decided to sort of keep it going a little bit. And this is my first expansion of it to encompass a different conflict and a different sort of gameplay style as well. Right. So the, the Trench Raiders is set during the Second World War, and it focuses on a very specific part of the uh, Second World War, the First World War. And it focuses on a very specific part of the First World War, which is the um, the the trench raiding like teams that would sneak over in the night to the enemy trenches and basically just inflict violence for its own sake. And what that did to the psychology of the people engaged in it and like the, the one dealing with the risks of it. Mm-hmm. But the other part was the sort of the way that the first world war ended up being recounted in the minds of like intellectuals who took place in it and like, you know, writers and stuff like that, because the first world war was so different from everything that had been experienced so far in Mm -hmm. our like collective culture of dealing with warfare that a lot of the things that ended up coming out of it had to be allegorical because people literally like civilians could not understand the first Mm -hmm. world war. So the trend traders is about not people per se. It's about these sort of, uh, archetypical, almost animalistic versions of people that represent the kinds of personalities that would emerge on the Western Front, either in reality or in the imaginations of people who are there. But in solo play, because I wrote this expansion while I was listening to a lot of Party of One, I went, I, I should write like a single player version of this. So in solo play, you play the last man on the Western Front. You play the last person who hasn't given into this madness yet. Uh, and you're about to embark on your first dangerous mission. That's fascinating. Oh my god, I'm madly in love with everything that you just said. Like, this is my mind. I'm already a thousand and one percent in, so I am ready to dive the hell in. All right. So, it's February 7th on the Western Front, and a young officer has spent his first month in the trenches. And that officer knows that the life expectancy of a junior officer in the British Army on the Western Front is six weeks. Who is this young officer? Jackson Fletcher. He's 19 years old from Manchester, England. He was, uh, he was a tailor. A tailor, uh, a tailor, the family business in his old life. And he sort of, he signed up out of a sense of responsibility, a sense of duty. He, um... 
So Lord, Lord of the Rings was out by then, right? Nope. Lord of the Rings was in large part in, ex, in, inspired oh. by the First World War. Um, so I don't, I don't know what his favorite orc, book would be then. That's all right. The orcs in the first in the Lord of the Rings were actually supposed to be uh, analogous to British Tommies. I had no idea. Well, then, then he signed up out of a sense of familial responsibility. His family has always been very, you know, queen and country. So he sort of signed up out of that gung ho sense. And he's he sort of is just awry. He's 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 fresh. He's a little idealistic, but he's also a little bit cocky, even because he thinks this is going to be fine. This is going to be this is going to be the thing that I'm going to tell my children about. And they're going to they're going to gather around the campfire. They're going to gather around the fireplace and I'm going to tell them stories and they're all going to laugh and it's going to be wonderful. In the last five weeks, you've seen a lot of things on the Western Front, but not much combat. It's been quite quiet, actually. The new, the situation on the front is grim. Despite the propaganda that comes out through the newspapers that are issued to the troops, uh, it is known that things aren't going very well for Britain and their allies. Russia is just about to drop out of the war. There are revolutions all over the country. Last year in October... They, the government almost collapsed outright. And the looming specter, specter of a million hardened German soldiers from the Eastern Front coming west looms over everyone. But you don't really understand what the big deal is. You haven't taken part of any offenses yet. As far as you can tell, the war is just sitting in a trench, a cold trench, and waiting. You've spent some time in the frontline trenches with the sentries. And some time in the reserve trenches and the dugouts, playing cards, drinking, and waiting. Just waiting. Finally, something comes through. Orders. You are called to the dugout of your commanding officer. Uh, the captain brings you in, looks you over, and goes, Hello, son. How, how are you finding the war so far? If I'm honest, sir, it's a bit boring, if I, if I, if I must say. If I thought there'd be a little more action, a little more daring do. I'm glad we're of the same minds of this. You'll notice that the men don't seem very... They don't have their hearts in it, do they? They just... I don't it... think they really understand the importance of this magnificent conflict we're involved in. They seem to look at it as, as a job, not as a, as a calling or a responsibility. Exactly, they're like factory workers. Yes, 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 yes. I've, I've noticed this myself. We need to motivate them. And there is a method of doing so. As long as they're staying there and we're staying here, they're not enemies with the Germans. They're just in proximity. So what I want you to do is I want you to take a small group of men and go over the top at night. They won't expect it. Sneak over to their trenches and give them what for. Go as long as you can, uh, figure you can. Take prisoners, kill them, take their guns out, whatever you can do. And then make your way back. We'll tell Finally, stories a proper about... responsibility. Exactly. We'll... This is a chance to prove yourself. Now, I will admit, it's been a little rough on the officer corps in the last few years. There's promotions opening up every day. You could have my job. Well then, that would be something to bring home, wouldn't it? Exactly. And the medals, medal opportunities, so many of them over there. Mm. And if I'd be a hero. Exactly. You would be a hero. If you open up a hole in the enemy lines, why, in a few weeks, we might be able to launch an assault that will take us right to Berlin. 
I've already assembled your team, some of the best <sighs> men in the company. When night falls, over the top you go, cross no man's land, do what comes natural. Ha ha. You will not be disappointed, sir. I do not think I will be. And he sort of, you notice that he kind of looks away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this poor boy. So you, you leave the dugout and you, you find that the squad has already been assembled. Your, your, your squad for, uh, this particular mission is, uh, you were told they were crack men. Mm-hmm. You're starting to have some suspicion that might not be true. Uh, they're bundled up in whatever they can find. They've got their, their overcoats on, but they've, you know, they've got homemade gloves made clearly out of old socks. They're just mm-hmm. putting their fingers through the holes that have been worn through. They, they've got scarves in civilian colors draped over themselves. They've got hats under their helmets, which make them bulge in strange fashion. You're not really sure who they are, even. You've been here a couple of weeks, and as a uh, junior officer, you spend a lot of time with the men, but you couldn't identify any of them under all of the various clothes piled onto them. Uh, it takes you a few minutes to realize that you're looking at Privates Albert, Baker, Cooper, and... Uh, I need a D name. Let's go with David. David's uh, good. David. So... You've got your your four soldiers there, and uh, they they've all got their own, you know, tendencies. You you know a little bit about them now that you can finally recognize them. Albert, for example, uh, something of a trickster. He uh, involves in a lot of gambling, written up a lot on disciplinary charges, mm. but a solid soldier nonetheless. Mm. Baker Baker has been troublesome. He. Uh, You've had to break up fights between him and other soldiers more than once. Cooper, Cooper's just a big man. He's he used to be a farmer. He's tall. He's broad-shouldered. Uh, he was a football star at one point, and uh, he has a the company's best throwing arm. And then hmm. finally, David. The boy just isn't suited for the front lines. He joined up with one of the old Pals battalions, and he might be... He was reconstituted into this division, and he just... He he has said that he will not use his rifle, and uh, he hasn't dropped it yet, so you can't write him up on cowardice, but you have a feeling that if he's not shot by the enemy, he'll probably be shot by his own side. Hmm. Uh, It's an unusual assortment, but they've got that, you know, you know what they say about that old British spirit, we'll come through when the time comes. If they've been assigned to me, I trust that they're the right men for the job. So as night falls, you're staring over no man's land. And it is the perfect night for a raid. It's moonless. The clouds come in and block off every, even the twinkling of the stars. So the only light as night falls is the occasional drifting flare in the distance. Coming down from the artillery positions or being launched from mortars in the trenches. None of them nearby. Everything's quiet. You look over, the the no man's land is only 600 yards across, but you can't see the enemy. You never can. Their trenches blend in perfectly with the surrounding landscape, as does yours. Everything is just a blasted moonscape of white and brown and blackened trees. And as night fully 
falls and darkness has taken the entire of uh, the entirety of the French countryside. The time is now. It's time to go over the top. You know that there are several positions among the German lines that you could make an approach at. There's a machine gun post that connects to a communication trench in the uh, that you can reach very easily. Unfortunately, it is also a machine gun nest, so it will be heavily defended. There's a small utility trench that you can make your way to and probably find your way into the enemy lines more safely, but it will involve a dash across frozen ground that is bare and exposed. And finally, you can simply make your way into one of the anonymous sections of trench and move from there. What you do with this mission is up to you. What success means is up to you. But if you come back and disappoint your, your commander and your country, that dishonor will rest on your shoulders. What do you do? Fortune favors the bold. Uh, we, were, we were given orders to knock out, knock out utilities, knock out machine guns. We're going for the utilities and the machine guns. I am uh, enough of, I am a crack shot. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty handy with a shot. I've been pretty, I've been pretty good at shooting cans. I believe I, I believe I can provide enough cover and provide enough uh, take aim at that machine gun turret myself, opening up enough opportunity for us to get into the trench that way and take out that you take out that communications line. If we take out that communications line, then we've got them. They've got no backup. They've got no. They've got no support. It's the right. It's the right thing to do. It's the dangerous thing to do. It's the bold thing to do. It's the risky thing to do. Some would say it's the foolish thing to do. Yes, but that's um, the thing we're going to do. Somebody mutters. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you uh, you climb over the top of the trench. Again, you can't see the enemy, so you simply crawl forward a little bit and a little bit more, making your way through a gap in the barbed wire. And then you're in no man's land, and you're moving towards the enemy. How are you moving? Are you moving slowly, cautiously, attempting to be stealthy? Or are you going to make your way there as fast as possible and trust speed to protect you? Hmm. Well, bold does not mean bold does not mean stupid. I think we're gonna we're gonna be slow and cautious, and if we need to speed up later, we'll speed up later. Start slow. Old right. story of the tortoise, as they say. So the first thing you're going to do, the first roll you're going to make is you're going to roll a pathfinding check. Okay. So this is a vigilance. Uh, roll, and you're skilled at this, so you're going to roll all the dice in your vigilance, and you're okay. going to tell me how many sixes and fives you get, and how Got many it. ones you get. Alright. Well, my vigilance is ten. So I'm going to roll ten d6. Let's count the fives and sixes. Uh, I got no ones. That's good. I got one six... Two, five, three, I got four successes. Oh, okay. So the way that this that crossing no man's land works in this game is that there is a big old chart of things that are in no man's land. Because no man's land is sort of by definition like mysterious. It's it's almost unnavigatable because there's no landmarks. Everything looks the same, and the ground is uneven and sort of curls and twists from the artillery blasts. So Every time you go into No Man's Land and you move through No Man's Land, you find something new. So your team sneaks through No Man's Land quite quickly. You make good time. And 
you get a good 400 meters towards the enemy line. You're closer now to the enemy line than your own. Uh, and you encounter, uh, as you come through, you find a curious sight. Behind a small uh, dip in the ground, sort of hiding in a shell hole, you come across five Frenchmen, of all things. The French have a line just a few kilometers away from your own, and these five look to be part of uh, one of the patrols that wander no man's land at night, looking for people like you that the Germans send. They probably got lost. You take a quick look at them, you look them over, they're about, they're bearded, they're, they've been here way too long, they're, mm -hmm. you know, their coats are co coated in frost, but they, they, they see you and beckon you over quickly and attempt to whisper to you in broken English and don't really get much out of them, but you point your finger at the enemy line and they nod enthusiastically. So you have allies now. Fantastic. So, you're 200 meters away from the enemy machine gun post. You've got a gaggle of Frenchmen in tow. What do you do? Well, I want to make sure these boys get, these boys get, with it. I want to make sure these boys get safe. It seems like they've been out here for a while. But, we have strength in numbers now, so I'm going to confidently move towards, confidently move towards the, the, continue moving towards the enemy trench. Continuing your sneaking? Yes. Excellent. So roll me one more pathfinding because sure. you can still get lost. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. It's easier than you think. Rolling 10d6. Uh, I got two successes and two ones. All right. So you you meet up with them. You, you know, exchange chocolate and everything else that you do, you know, handshakes. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you peek your head back over the top and you realize... Wait a minute. To which direction was the German trench? And you sort of ask your friends, you you whisper to your, your soldiers under your command, and they sort of shrug, like, hey, you're keeping track of that. And you go, uh, this way, I think. And you start moving. And you keep moving until the light of a flare in the distance casts slightly over, and you realize, we're going sideways. We're going parallel to the lines. We've just shifted over quite a bit. How many failures did you get? Uh, I got two failures. Oh, boy. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's a great... That's a great... Oh, no! These are great noises. These are good so, noises. These are good, actually. <laughs> no! <laughs> So as you, oh Jesus, what are the odds? So as you move forward, you, you're moving along the line of the, the trenches and you hear something unusual. You've, you've not heard something like this before, at least in a while. It sounds like a motor, some sort of engine, big, throaty, like a tractor. And you, uh, you reorient towards it and you catch a glimpse over the top of a ridge of what look to be parts of the German lines. They're strange concrete pillboxes. And then you see it. Roaring. Moving just behind the enemy trenches. It's a blurry shape in the darkness. But it's unmistakable. It's a German tank. An A7V. You've not seen one of these before, and actually I don't think they're out yet as of <laughs> February 7th, but... It is a monster. 
It's experimental. It's exactly. an experimental model. It's easily nine or ten feet tall. It's long like a boat. It's got a mean cannon sticking out the front of it, and it's dotted with machine guns all around it. Smoke billows out from under the small tracks underneath it as it slowly grinds its way over the top of the German trench across a small bridge that has been built for the purpose and slowly rolls onto no man's land. It hasn't seen you yet, but it's a mere 200 meters away. What do you do? We need to take... We need to take... Hmm. We can't. We can't take a tank. We can't. There's only there's only five. We can't take a tank. Can we? No. No. Can't. No. No. We can't so take a tank. You probably can't take it on with what you have. Because things like small hand grenades and stuff like that don't have very much effect. But these are very early vehicles. You've probably talked to a tanker or something like that. And you know that they do have weaknesses. They have open vision slits because hardened glass hasn't been developed yet. Mm -hmm. So a shot near a vision slit can blind a soldier inside. You also know that the Germans have been working very hard on weapons that can defeat tanks. They have special bullets. They have silver tips that they issue to their men, which can punch through steel of a tank. They have bundles of grenades that they use to destroy them. And they have direct fire artillery pieces that might be able to do them. Though you might not be able to destroy the tank now, you might be able to find a way. We take the trench. It's the only way. We, we have to rush the trench. Take what they've got. Best case scenario, worst case scenario. We force the tank to fire on the trench itself. Use the tank against them. Alright, so you're going to try to dash past the tank on this? So the tank is between us and the trench. Yes, it's just rumbled over the trench. It's right in front of it. Mm. Mm -hmm. In that case, that changes everything. I had thought that it, that the trench, that it was sort of parallel, that if we were going parallel and it was going parallel, but if it's going to cro mean crossing the tank directly. Yeah, it just rumbled over the, the section of trench nearest to you. You've been walking along beside the trench, and now you've seen it. All right going to turn to my French allies and try to convey in broken French uh, that we, that there are nine, ten of us now. We need to split up. One group needs to, one group needs to get the tank's attention. The other needs to rush the trench to get a hold of the weapons that can take out the tank. So, what I would like you to do is make a, two vigilance rolls in a row here. The first is going okay. to be to try to convey that concept, and the second is to see if you will convince them. Okay. So there are actually rules for talking to people of foreign languages in this game, because it is originally about patrolling in Vietnam and trying to ask, hey, did you see where the communists went? Well, and it, it, it fits super well in a World War II concept, where it was a bunch of people that don't quite speak the same language trying to Exactly. Coordinate things. So, okay, so my first vigilance roll. I got two successes and two failures. Alright, excellent. And for my second vigilance roll, I got one failure and two successes. Alright, let me quickly 
flip here to... I love having bookmarks and PDFs. Oh my god. Oh, it's the greatest! Interactions. Here we are. So, uh, yes, you successfully get your, your point across. And what was the successes on the second moral? The successes on the second were two successes and one failure. Excellent. So, yes, they um, they sort of, you know, perk up at this this one. They have the understanding, like, they were looking a little scared of the tank, but the idea of taking it out has lit a fire under them. Uh, these are French pioneers. They are the, the best men in the French army and mm. some of the last men in the French army as of 1917. And uh, they are more willing than many of their comrades to throw themselves in such ridiculous circumstances. So they kind of convey to you that they'll distract the tank, that they don't have a problem doing that. Uh, but you have to take it out quickly because it is scary. Right. Sure. We take the trench, we we grab whatever weapons, whatever fancy German weapons they have, we turn them back on the tank. Alright. So the French quickly fan out around the 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 area. They they uh, sort of make sure that they cover as much ground as they can so that the tank can't take them out all in one shot. And you are now going to make your run into the trench. Are you running, or are you just sneaking real silent? Uh, we gotta run now. There's no... Alright, cool. There's no, there's no sneaking when a tank is involved. Yeah. Uh, so, run past this tank. Alright. Let's, let's see how you do it. Roll your pathfinding check. Okay. It's, pr- it's gonna be easier, because you can hear the tank, so you know which sure. way you're going. Oh, I... Hmm, okay. Great. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six successes. No failures. Damn! Okay, so I, I'm going to... Um, Fortune favors the bold. For real. So I'm actually going to, like, not only do you make it, but you have enough room that you could easily, like, sort of, uh, you know, hook around the tank with no problem, like, mm-hmm. staying out of its sight range. So what you're actually doing is you, you know, you tap your, uh, your allies on the back and they off in a sprint and you're right behind them. And you through the the darkness and the limited vision of the tank, the claustrophobia and the sound of the engine covering the sound of your footfalls against the ice, you slip into the enemy trench without an issue. <laughs> so you drop in right on top of nobody. It seems they've evacuated the trench before they drove the tank over it. So trenches are divided into sections. They're, they're sort of a zigzag or zipper tooth shape so that nobody can shoot all the way down them and an artillery shell bursting in them can't take out everybody. So you sure. are kind of hidden in the uh, enemy trench. And you could have made, you know, a quiet assault out of it. But nobody told the French. And you hear the first rifle shot ping off the armor of the tank as they attempt to get its attention. And the tank roars to life, and you hear the sound of metal scraping on metal as the machine guns point, and the tracks start moving. What do you do? The tank is distracted. They, we've all, we all agreed. We all agreed on our role. We're going to, we're gonna, we're gonna scavenge for weapons. We're gonna head for that machine gun turret. We're gonna head for that communications relay. We're gonna do what we can to take out the tank from the trench. All right. While so the French, the the fact that the fact that the trench was empty doesn't change the fact that the plan that we had agreed upon a plan. I'm not going to let those boys give their lives give their lives so that we for our glory. All right. We're so, in this together. So you do you want to look around the trench or would you like to start moving to make some progress? Or are you going to try to attack? You could 
potentially destroy the disable the tank with a grenade, but it would be a long shot. Yeah, I'm not willing to take a long shot like that. I feel like I feel like our best bet is to is to scat is to search the search the trench while like search the trench and prepare to head towards that machine gun turret because we might we might find something useful here, but worst case scenario, but if we don't, we can head towards that machine gun and turn that on the tank. Alright, so I would like you to roll a search check. This is another okay. vigilance check. You're doing a lot of those. Alright. Um, and basically this one allows you to find hidden objects, but I, in this story game context, it also allows you to create objects. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to roll my vigilance. Alright. Uh... <laughs> one, two, three, four successes, no failures. Oh my god! <laughs> Alright, so yeah, um, you start looking around and you, uh, you don't, f- your, your, your vain hope is, you know, uh, uh, one of the gr- German bundled grenades or a, mm-hmm. maybe even one of their giant anti-tank rifles, but of course you don't find one of those, but what you of course find not. is you find what looks to be a, a crate of mines that they were going to scatter in front of their trench that have clearly been put on the wayside as they drive a tank over it. Or perhaps these mines have been dug up and deactivated uh, so that the, tra- the, the tank can rumble through. There are three t- mines in the box, and you might be able to get one under the treads or just sort of throw it against the side of the tank. It'd be dangerous as hell, but you could do it. That's a shot, right? That's a chance. And a chance is better than no chance. All right, so as you... And your soldiers pull the the mines out. I'm. Uh, do you take one? And who do you issue the other mines to, or do you just let them take them? Uh, I'm going to take one. Yes, I I can't. I can't ask my I can't ask my my boys to take this risk without taking it myself. All right. So as you start pulling the the mines out of the box and trying to figure out how to turn them on, uh, you quickly figure out that you turn a portion of it to engage the uh, trigger. You you hear a sharp sound that is the cannon firing on the tank. It's it's less loud than you expected being as it's absorbed by the inside of the tank. You Mm -hmm. can't imagine how loud it is for the people on the inside. But then the explosion (sighs) follows. And uh, let's see how that goes for uh, your your boys. Well, the other boys. Yes. My newfound friends. Uh, So you hear it burst nearby and some pieces of ice and frozen mud come down on like onto your head, sort of sounding like rain on a tin roof. But you don't hear any screams. You don't hear any indication that somebody might have been hit. But with a weapon like that, you might not. This is true. What but do we do? We don't give up on hope. We don't give up on the plan. We take these mines. We go for the tank. We may not make it out, but if but. If the ruins of a tank await our officers in the morning, then at least we know that we've that we've done our jobs. All right. At least so, we've died. At least we die gloriously. All right. So the way that this sort of attack works is pretty crazy. Um, what you're going to do is you're going to move over to the tank. You can you can move without using an action on it because you can do short shifts and the tank is nearby. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're going to do a sabotage vehicle check. Okay. So you're going to run over, and you're going to use proficiency. And okay. so are your buddies. Though there is a second and crazy option. 
if you can get them to open a hatch, you can get a mine inside. What do you do? I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna stick with stick with uh, hitting it on the side. All right. I think we're gonna play it safe. It's it's the it's the sensible thing to do, and it's the sensible thing in an unsensible situation. So each of you picks up one of the mines, and uh, so I'm gonna say that the other two people who have the mines are um, Elf. Um, Cooper takes one of the mines as he's a big man and he can carry mm-hmm. it easily. And uh, Baker takes one of the mines because he has no problem whatsoever with the idea of using one of these things in such a dangerous situation. And the three of you burst out of the top of the trench and run for the tank. The tank has a pair of machine guns pointing backwards, but it doesn't seem that anybody is really using them. They probably don't expect this whatsoever. And you make it close to the tank and you roll a proficiency check. Okay. Sixes only. <laughs> you know that thing about how dice rolls tend to balance out over time? Oh boy. This one six. And uh, no, that's not not terrible. For pretty pretty terrible for twelve dice, but not terrible. I have one six and two ones. Uh one six and two Oh no. This okay. is probably pretty actually pretty very bad. Yeah, well, we'll get to how bad it goes in a second. I'm just going to run for your buddies. Uh, roll for your buddies here. Uh, okay. So, let's really quick check my uh, explosives here. And, um... Oh, what would be the worst thing that would happen? Oh, okay. So, you start moving with your, your mine. And your uh, your allies are moving with them, too. Yours was the mine that you tested with. So, yours is already active. There, Theirs are... Not. They're going to lay them behind the, the treads, so next time the tank fires, it rolls back on the treads and over mm. the mines. And you're going to throw it underneath the tank and hope that the uneven ground causes it to detonate. You run over, you trip, you fall, and the mine rolls on an edge and lands face down. The explosive goes off, you're Vision is blanketed in smoke and fire and mud. And when you come to, you notice that you're one man short. Poor Baker, though he managed to get his mine in place, has suffered uh, a terrible fate. You've found his helmet and his boots and a part of what you think is his rifle, but everything else is just sort of a smear. (sighs) You're shaken from your you're sort of shocked by uh, Cooper, who grabs you by the back of your haversack and pulls you back towards the trench. You don't think he really understood what just happened. He, you don't think he knows what just happened to him. And a second later, the tank fires again. Once again, you hear nothing but a splat of the shell crumping against the ice and scattering pieces. And the tank rolls back over the mines, and the mines go off. Okay, so uh, the tank, these A7V tanks are not known for their reliability. They break down quite frequently. And this would be an excellent case of it breaking down, as the tank itself, the hull of it seems to have survived, but uh, the tracks have been popped off entirely. 
and a fire is growing under the tank. And now I'm going to roll probably the worst thing that can happen to a tanker. Oh, good god. Okay, so... Uh, oh god. <laughs> uh... So most of the the fire quickly consumes the tank far faster than you'd think a a steel vehicle would be would be you know subject to such a thing. You remember that it's filled also with petrol and shells and propellant because it catches like a just a funeral pyre and ri- the smoke and flame rises up in the air. The you, you can feel the heat coming out like a just a wave as it bursts from the hatches and the view- the viewports. The side hatch opens, and three men fall out, then a fourth, and a fifth, and a few more. But most of them don't get back up. Most of them, in fact, are already on fire. And smoke is choking the lungs of the survivors. You hear one of them call out something in German and stagger towards your trench. What do you do? Open fire. Mm-hmm. All right. So there's two kinds of shooting in this game. There's the precision shooting when you aim directly at something and you pull the trigger on them. And then suppressing fire where you just you keep your head as low as to the ground as possible and fire as quickly as possible. Which would you like to do? I'm sorry, say them both again? Uh, a precision fire and a suppressive fire. Precision fire. All right. Would you like to take careful aim and possibly expose yourself to retaliation, or would you just like to shoot? Just shooting. Just shoot him? All right. So roll me proficiency. Rolling proficiency. Oh, and add plus four. Plus four? Yes, four 16 more dice. 16d6. Yep. Uh, let's see, that is fives and sixes, or just sixes? Fives and sixes. One, two, three, four, five successes, one failure. Damn! Alright, so, uh, yeah, you... One of the, the, the one who looks sort of the most uh, upright, the one who's talking and moving back towards the, the line, you know, coughing, you peek up over the top of the trench and you hit him dead center and he just crumples to the ground. He never stood a chance. Uh, and you have an opportunity here. Discar- you can discard all your failures and... Reroll another shot at plus one difficulty against other survivors, or you can let your allies do it. You're using up ammunition as you go, by the way. Right. I'll let you know how that works. Um, I'm going to take the shot. I, I, I don't trust my ability to lead my men at this point. Alright, cool. So you, you take another shot. Roll it again. Discard the the one failure and roll it again. Alright. Uh, let's see. That is one, two... Let's see. That's one, two, three, four, five successes. Three failures. Alright. So, once again, you just... You hit somebody and he... Uh, actually, let's see how he does. Because he actually might... Oh no, he just drops like a like a ton of bricks. You don't think he's dead, but you took him out. You shot him in the hip and he just fell to the ground with a sort of wheeze. 
And you can take another shot if you'd like. There's one more man who still seems to be moving. Yes, I'm going to take the, take another shot. Discard your failures and keep going. That is one, two, three successes, and one, two, three failures. This shot doesn't quite hit. It strikes the ice beside the man's head, and he screams and starts pushing himself away. Now, it's been long enough that we're going to take our first status effect. You're going to take a point of exhaustion and a point of thirst. You can negate the point of thirst easily. You just take a sip from your canteen if you have one. But the exhaustion sticks with you. All right, so the exhaustion has reduced your vigilance by one. Okay. The other thing that has happened is that you have taken a point of doubt. You've killed for the first time. When you take eight points... You have succumbed to the Western Front, and you become no better than the animals of the mud. You also took another one earlier for getting lost in No Man's Land, but that's not a okay. big deal. All right, so your your allies, are, they seem quite shaken by the, the, the explosion and the fire, and particularly your sudden burst of precision violence as you pop over the top of the trench and let off three shots in quick succession. You pull your head back down over the trench as you... Yeah, you're cold fingers, put more bullets in the magazine of your uh, Mondragon, the trophy that presumably you took from a down German airplane at some point. And you say, you know, what's what's going on? What's wrong? And then at that point, uh, poor David just loses his cookies. <laughs> he, he throws up all over everybody's boots. It's a fun time. You're starting to hear voices now in the trench around you. The German voices of shocked men who look at the steel titan that had once, you know, impressed them so probably just this morning as it was rolled behind the lines. And now, just seconds be- uh, after entering No Man's Land, it's been reduced to a inferno. And you're starting to hear people moving in the trenches around you and feeling the footfalls against the duckboards. What do you do? I think we have to get out of the trench and start making our way back. I don't think it's safe anymore. I think that I'm willing to say this was successful. All right. So you peek over the top of the trench and you're noticing as you look around, you're seeing off of the, from the reflection of the fire, you're seeing the dome tops of German helmets as people peer over the top of the trench. It will be a difficult run to make because the fire is illuminating everything around the trench. You'll be silhouetted against it and everyone will see you. Are you going to make a run for it or are you going to try another way to find another way out? Hmm. Let's try to move away from the fire. We're going to try to move down the trench, take out anybody in our way. All right. So... You start moving down one of the lines of the trench. You push your way around the corner, your weapon at the ready, and you peer down. And in this section of trench, is you come face to face with a young German soldier who screams something. And everybody in the trench looks. It looks like there's about three or perhaps four people in the trench. They 
start grabbing their weapons and, you know, yelling about Englishers in the trenches, something like that. You don't really speak German. Brutal right. language. Savages, right? Mm-hmm. And what do you do? You can push your way into the trench and engage in melee combat, or you can try to shoot it out with them. Or you can run. If we run, we're only going to get... We're on, there's only going to be more Germans on the other side. We can't run. Shooting is... I think we have to shoot. We have to shoot them out. No, we're going to try. We're going to go for melee. Because if we shoot, if we shoot, then they're going to, then that's just going to bring all, that's going to defeat the purpose of trying to get away from the fire. All right. So you sort of suppress the instinct to yell a battle cry and you come around the corner. Do you order your men to fix the bayonets on their rifles or are you just going to go right in? Uh, I don't think we have time to fix the bayonets. I think we have to go right in. All right. It's also a good idea because bayonets are not great in trenches. Turns out having a four, five foot long spear in a three foot across trench, <laughs> not not great. So you come around the corner. You, you've got your Mondragon turned around. You know it's a little bit of a delicate gun, so you feel a little bad about doing this. Uh, and be, right behind you are your allies. And we engage in melee combat. Now, the way that this works is you roll a fortitude check. Okay. There is a down, like, a terrible downside to this, which is every time you roll a failure in melee, if you don't win, and if you don't win by enough, that's a point of injury coming your way. Okay. Melee is dangerous, but it's also a very effective way of ending a fight quickly. So roll your proficiency check. Uh, or not sixes? proficiency, fortitude. Yes, sixes only. Six, sixes only? Yeah. No successes, no failures. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, what I'm going to say you did is you came around the corner sort of muttering something about king and country, tripped on the edge of a duckboard and sprawled out flat. Great. And your men just run right over the top of your head into the, the rest of combat. Um, so let's see how they do. I am rolling some combat now. Come on, boys. Yeah, let's, let's hope they don't totally whiff this. So, um, the first one through is Cooper, who is an enormous man. Uh, and he is also, you've heard rumors that he was perhaps a boxer or something like that, or Mm -hmm. perhaps he merely got in a lot of fights down at the farm, but you can see evidence of it as he ducks and dodges around the enemy and attacks with careful punches. Uh, Unfortunately, he went unarmed into a gunfight. He (sighs) catches a bayonet right through the jaw (sighs) and he collapses to the ground without a sound. Behind him is... uh, What was his name? Albert? A? Yeah. Yes. Albert's yeah, Albert. right behind him, and Albert is a swift and he's a fast fighter, but uh, he it's not really clear how good of a fighter he is until now, when you see him just take the end of his bayonet, uh, of his rifle, the butt of his rifle, slam it down on the foot of his opponent, lean his rifle up against the man's chest and pull the trigger with his uh, hand, 
the man just sort of recoils backwards and collapses onto the ground, the sound deadened by the thick coats that he was wearing. And finally, finally we have poor David, who never wanted to be here in the first place. But surprisingly, he, uh, he does all right for himself, at least at first. He, the man who comes at him with the, his weapon drawn, attempts to fire a shot, but has his rifle pushed aside, and the two of them clash, and neither of them really get the better of the other. There's a couple of scrapes and bruises, but the man is still alive. At this point, the sounds of the melee are still quiet, with just the sort of exertion of the two men still struggling. What do you do? Right. Uh, I'm going to climb to my feet and try to take out the man that took out poor Cooper. All right. He needs, he needs, he needs to be avenged. He was a good man. All right, so roll your fortitude check. Ooh, that time was a zero successes, one failure. Oh, boy. So you pull to your feet. Your Mondragon is lying somewhere nearby, so you pull out your revolver, which you believe is probably better for this anyway, and you point it at the man, but he's already inside your guard. Oh, Jesus. Mm. How's your health insurance? Probably not great. (laughs) So uh, he drives his bayonet through your thigh. And you you do not have a good time of that. Um, No. Meanwhile, let's see what how uh, David does with his man. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So, uh, you sort of stagger back, uh, the bayonet has broken off in your, your eye, and you notice be- the once peaceful, uh, choir boy, probably literally a choir boy that was David, pull his helmet from his head and smash the metal edge of it into the neck of his opponent. Uh, as his opponent gasps, uh, Alfred comes up behind, uh, the, the man you were fighting, and, uh, let's see how that... Go- oh my god. So, um, he, he, uh, brings his bayonet up, he's holding it with his fingers, and he cuts the man's throat. <sighs> Off. So, you are badly wounded. You're going to need what to take what's called a shock check. This is basically, okay. can you remain conscious? Sure. So, roll me your fortitude. Okay. Uh, one success, or one six, one five, and one one. Uh, so you pass out. Sure. You're also going to be bleeding a little bit. So let's pick up the narrative just a little bit later. You come to somewhere in No Man's Land. You, uh, you're attended to by David, who appears to have some basic medical skills. He's used a bit of a German's coat, what looks like a sleeve, to tie a tourniquet around your leg. And he's sort of, you know, you, you your face feels like a little bit like he might have been trying to slap you into consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, standing over the two of you, standing watch, is Albert, who is absolutely drenched in blood. It's quite grisly. And three French soldiers are standing nearby. You don't know what happened to the other two. 
I, I can imagine. Sir, sir, are, are you alright? Can you talk? You are a most fascinating boy. You know that? I imagine I had you pegged wrong. Do, what do we do now? We, we've managed to pull you just far enough back, but we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We, and we, head, we head back. Mission, our mission was a success. We took out a tank that would have ended, would have torn through our trenches. We just need to, we need to get back. We need to bring back our newfound friends and allies, regroup on our trench, figure out which way is the right way, and get back. That's our only concern at this point. Alright, so you sort of asked them to help prop you up a little bit so you can get your bearings. And you, you first, at first you realize you're actually looking the wrong way. They clearly were quite lost. Because you're looking at the German trench. Uh, you're a good 300 meters away now from the, the burning tank. Uh, not quite directly away towards your own lines. Mm -hmm. You do a quick sort of reckon in your head and you think you might be a good 300 meters away. Okay. And with your leg the way it is, you're going to be moving very slowly. But you think you can make it home. The German lines are a, a buzz with activity. And you, you watch as, uh, looking for an opportunity to start moving, you know, hoping that you can make it before. And then the worst happens. A flare, a solitary flare just drifts over the field and everything becomes as bright as day. What do you do? Run. We run. We, 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 we go. Like, we risk it. We, we might, we may not make it, but we have to, we, if we stay here, we're dead. If we run, we at least have a chance. All right. Roll me vigilance. Minus All right. four. All right. Uh, that is four successes. Oh, uh, fives wow. and sixes or just sixes? Fives and sixes. Four successes, one failure. Dang, dude. Roll like a champion. All right. Let's see what you come across. Nine and six. Okay, so you start moving back towards your own lines. How many successes was that? Four successes. Oh, perfect. This will go... So you um, you start moving as quickly as you, you can. You, you pop your heads up and you start going. Um, and as you're moving, you hear a sudden sound of the, the ranging shots of an enemy machine gun. The tech, 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 tech of a Maxim gun as it opens fire on your position. But there's another risk. I want you to roll 1d6 and just tell me what you get. 1d6? Got it. Yeah. Two. Oh boy! So, All that right. machine gun is met with another one on the other side of the lines. And it sounds very direct. You realize with horror that you're in front of the muzzle. Not only have the enemy opened fire on you, but your allies have seen you seen dark shapes moving in no man's land and open fire as well. So that's gonna suck. This is not great. It's not great. So let's see how badly it is not great. Oh, that's not too bad. Three. And the other one. Alright, that's not too bad. So, um, 
All right. So as you start moving, uh, one of the, the Frenchmen who pokes his head over the top and is trying to guide you along and make sure that there's a safe path for you to move as David is kind of helping you stand up. Sure. He sort of looks back at you, urging you on, and then a bullet catches him from the German sides of the line, <sighs> just straight through his Adrian helmet, and he collapses to the ground without a sound. Ugh. You keep moving, and then there's sort of a yelp behind you, and you, you turn around, and you see uh, that a bullet has caught uh, across the hand of uh, Albert. And he rolls a check. Oh, and he's fine. He shakes it off, and, you know, don't worry about me. But it looks like it's bleeding quite badly. It might have taken a few fingers with it. If we get back, if, if when, when we get back, we can get it, we can get it looked at. So you make it a good, perhaps, 200 meters, and you collapse over the edge of a shell hole, a large shell hole. And you're surprised to hear voices, as you do. A bunch of people, hey, what? And you realize that you've dropped into a trench, uh, a shell hole, in which several men who have been wounded have taken shelter. It looks like they probably crawled in here after perhaps being thrown from their trench by an artillery shell or engineers who were caught out uh, by a, a random blast. Uh, some of them are looking all right, like just minor wounds, bandages to the head or arms, but others look very badly off. There's about six of them total. What do you do? These men... These men need help. They need medical attention. We have to... We, we can't stay here. We'll wait for a moment. See if the machine guns die down. And if they do, we make a final rush on our, on our trench. Hopefully they... Hopefully they get a better... Vi they get a better view of us. Hopefully they see that we are... English... Uh, and we make it home. One of the wounded men just... English! Ugh! Oh, leave me here! <laughs> Listen, we... That, that, that can be arranged, if you'd like. We can leave you here. <laughs> so, uh, you, you wait... And I laugh for the first time in about a day, in about a few hours. You, you hear the, the sound of the, the staccato machine guns die off. There's a couple of snapping rifles as men on either side take pot shots at one another and then the rumble of artillery on both sides as both sides start shelling each other's trenches in earnest uh, you hear them coming down on the ice and every impact is like the hand of God smashing into the French countryside <sighs> splinters of wood and ice and mud rain down all around but it doesn't seem to be coming close to you and with the smoke and the fire obscuring your position, there's never been a better time to move. Make a vigilance check for pathfinding. Still at the minus four? Still at the minus four. But actually, I'll give you... I'll reduce the difficulty for this one, because you can use the sound of shells landing on your own trench to guide you. Okay, uh, that's two, three successes, two failures. Excellent! So let's just see if you run into anything terrible, uh, and then I think that will be the... You getting safely back to our, your trenches. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. So, oh my god, what? Okay, so as you're moving back, uh, the the various men, the the less wounded and the the unwounded Frenchmen, uh, help the remaining 
wounded soldiers to get up and start moving out of the trench. You make your way towards the British lines, and this time they seem to identif- have identified you. You hear voices calling, you know, like, you know, get get to cover, come on. Uh, and you're pushing your way through a small gap in the wire. And then as you cross over a shell hole, you step on somebody. And you hear them sort of exclaim in a very not English language. And you look down to find yourself staring at a pair of young German soldiers, both of them armed with grenades. It looks like they were sneaking to your line to do a bombing raid. Neither of them have rifles. They've just taken their grenades. What do you do? I have, do I have, I have a gun? I have a revolver? You do have a revolver. They, they can't, if they, I have to shoot them. I don't have another choice. They'll, they'll, they'll kill twice as many people with those grenades. All right. Roll a precision fire check. Proficiency. Minus four. That's eight. Yes. One, two, three, uh, three, three successes, two failures, except actually I am a crack shot. I'm skilled with the weapon, so that is actually four successes, two failures. Dang. All right, so you just lower your revolver sort of tiredly. You're not even supporting your own weight, but you're capable of pulling a trigger. And then the other man picks up and tries before, to run. Before he does that, though, I'm going to use uh, I'm going to use adrenaline time to take another turn. Take another take turn. Another shot at full dice. Good idea. One, two, three, four successes, no failures. Damn. So as the man st- starts to pick up and run. You hit him as well. Just two shots to the head. You've gotten a little too good at this. And with that... Yeah, I've noticed. The rest of your men, you finally collapse over the side of the trench. It's a long fall down into the trench. These things can get pretty deep. But you're alive. You lie on the duckboard, watching the shells streak overhead and the flares play. And you think you see the wings of an observation plane illuminated against the night sky the shadow rolling over the clouds you've made it you've survived and with that you've crossed the magic threshold your life expectancy on the front lines was six weeks and you've lived six weeks and one day we did it (laughs) that went way better than I expected (sighs) <sighs> Dang, that was super fun! Oh my gosh, I'm all shaken up now! <sighs> so wow, that game is real good at what it does. That game is real, real good at what it does. <laughs> let's really quick ta- ta- uh, sort of tag up your points here, and if we were to continue a campaign, see how you'd, you'd, you'd advance as a character. So, everybody you lose gets you a point, because it's proof... If you, you know, if you've taken a casualty, that's proof to your commanders that you've got, you've seen some real action. So you lost two men. That's, uh, two points right there. Did you help anyone without violence? Well, you got those wounded men to safety. I think that counts. 
Uh, so let's register each of those, each of those six men that you got back. You you helped them. And did you steal from the enemy? Well, you did. You took those three mines and used them to destroy mm-hmm. a tank. So I'll give you a point for that. So today, you've earned nine points. You could take nine advances on your next game. So you'll come back a much more hardened soldier, much more capable. But you've seen a lot of shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's the game. I, I, I'm a hero now, but what, is, what does that mean at this point? What does that mean now? And the other thing that you did is you certainly managed to get the two sides fighting once again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not boring anymore, but boring sounds real nice right now. You're going to have an interesting letter home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to be telling stories by the fireplace. <laughs> oh man, that was a good game. That was a real, real good. good game. Yeah, Dang, I feel really good I, about that. I feel great about this. Holy oh, cow! Shit, Derek, thank you so much for coming on Party of One. That was amazing. Oh, no problem. I thank you so much for letting me run this. Oh like, man, I've that run was this so with cool. groups. Like I've even run this with two people. Uh, we ran a game where we were police in Saigon, which was okay. incredible. But I've never done it one on one before today. And the test game got a little silly. I mean, they did die mm-hmm, of blood loss, right. but it got a little silly. But this was the first time like, I really set out to seriously run a game one-on-one ever. <laughs> that worked real well. It was oh. beautiful. Holy cow. All right. So, oh, dang. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. So real quick, before we wrap up, where can people find your work? So I am upon the tweeters at, uh, at open underscore sketchbook. Uh, you can find my, uh, I have sort of a, a vaguely updated, uh, Tumblr called Newsstand Press, uh, okay. at tumblr.com. And I have a Patreon page that you can track down. I'm just open sketch on Patreon. Uh, but weirdly enough, the best place to keep sort of abreast of what I'm working on is there's a forum called Sufficient Velocity. Okay. And in the creative, uh, forum, uh, like subforum on that forum, sure. there is a, a thread called in which sketch makes games where mm-hmm, I post mm-hmm. updates on what I'm doing and like uh, tell people about upcoming tests and discuss mechanics of games that I'm working on there. Cool. 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 Oh, that was so good. Oh my God. Thank you so much for coming on the show. That was a blast. Uh, thank well, you so much for having me. I am going to throw it over to me in the distant future, back on the home front and let him wrap up with the show. Take it distant future. Me. Thanks, Distant Past Me, and thanks again to Derek for coming on to the show. That was amazing and astounding and beautiful and haunting, and it was great, and I loved it. You should absolutely check out Patrol, and you should check out Trend Traders as soon as it comes out. They are both amazing games that I cannot, cannot, cannot recommend enough. A link to Patrol can be found in the show notes. You should also follow Derek on Twitter at open underscore sketchbook to keep track of all of the games that they're working on. I'm seriously so excited for Five Across the Heart. I cannot even put it into words. Then while you're on Twitter, you can follow us at Party of One Pod. Like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. If you love the show, consider giving us a nice review on iTunes, a social media shout-out, or a word-of-mouth recommendation. All of those things help the show grow and do bigger, better, and cooler things. Also, like I said at the top of the show, you should consider backing us on Patreon. Patreon backers get early access to upcoming episodes. They get character sheets, adventure prep materials, and more. You can find all of that at patreon.com slash party of one podcast. 
If you want to hear more from me, check out All My Fantasy Children, the podcast in which Aaron Catano and I take your listener prompts and turn them into beautiful, thriving, vibrant role-playing game characters. This week, we created Rust Iron Hand, a dwarven scientist who is destined to conquest and whose life takes some very unexpected turns at the hands of the mysterious Delta. It was real good. It's a real good episode, y'all. I'm not even kidding. You need to check it out. Party of One is produced and edited by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Megaran featuring the D&D Sluggers. If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates or about coming onto the show yourself, shoot me an email at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. That's it for me. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. And until next time, party on. Never gonna die.